If you have your Bibles tonight, please turn them to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And I want to continue where we left off this morning and finish up um, our message on David and Goliath. But before I do that, I just have to praise the Lord. Isn't he good? He is good, and the Bible says greatly to be praised. And uh, we ought to praise him. He deserves our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's the only one worthy of our worship. We are so blessed around here. I tell you, I just sitting back there thinking during our worship service, the freedom we have in worship. You know, we've sang today my two favorite uh, hymn songs. Uh, we sang this morning about the love of God, and then we sang tonight, um, um, well, it's my favorite, but I can't remember the name of it. Come Thy Fount, yes, Come Thy Fount. And uh, I really enjoy both of those, but I also love the, the new worship that we do. Amen. And this evening we sang about uh, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Now let me tell you why that song is so powerful. Because that's just scripture. How do you know the Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, there's no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus one day every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. And so when we're singing about how powerful the name is, listen, we're just singing about the truth of what God's word says. And that's powerful. That's special, man. That's, uh, that's amazing. Thank you, brother, for that. Good job today and, and every time we meet together. Uh, the Lord's blessed you and we praise God for you. Uh, I also want to praise God today for... Him meeting needs. We had a fundraiser this evening for our uh, um, summer mission trip, our church-wide mission trip. We're going to Macon, Georgia, July the 16th through the 22nd. Anybody that wants to go, I want you to come and go uh, for all ages. We'll take anybody. We'd love to have you. You'd, uh, it'll bless your heart and change your life. what it'll do when you get to go and just love on people and share Jesus with people. Man, it's amazing. And uh, spend a week with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, it's just awesome. I love it. Love being on the, on the mission field. But we'll be going July the 16th through the 22nd, and we're doing fundraisers up until then. Uh, the first fundraiser that we did, I think we raised about $376, which was very good. I, I was very thankful for that. But today we raised $650. Yeah, give Jesus a hand in that. Amen. And listen. I want to thank you. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for being a mission-minded church. Do you know that if you brought a dish today, you cooked food and you brought it, or you supported that uh, when you gave this morning, I want you to know um, everything that happens in Macon, Georgia, when the gospel is preached, when souls come to be saved, um, when people are loved on like Jesus loved on us, can you say amen? When all that's happening, you'll be a part of that. And that, that's the beauty of mission work. Uh, we can pray and we should pray for missions. We can give and we should give to missions. We can go and we should go on mission. Amen? And so uh, I'm thankful that we're able to be a part of all that. Thank you so much um, for, uh, for giving like you have. Uh, that just amazed me and blessed my heart. $6.97. All right, that's better. That's fantastic. In two fundraisers, we're already over $1,000 for a summer mission trip. 
That's awesome. Thank you so much, each and every one of you. All right, let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And before we get into this, I'm just going to pray for you. Bow your heads tonight. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you've been with me in my preparation. And I'm asking you now that, Holy Spirit, uh, you fill me up and pour me out during this presentation. Lord, these people need to hear your words, not mine. So, Lord, use me as your vessel, I pray. Lord, would you speak to me and speak through me by your power in Christ's mighty name and for his sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Now then, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're talking about David and Goliath. And I told you this morning, the first thing that I want you to see is who they were facing, this group of people that was coming against the people of God. And we said, if you remember, the word says, actually, in 17 verse 1, that it's the Philistines. And the Philistines are the same group of folks that come back time and time and time again. They're coming against the people of God. What are they trying to do? They're trying to destroy God's people. Can you say amen? They're trying to take from God's people um, what is rightfully theirs and, and utterly destroy what God has done and is doing um, in, in the lives of the Israelites. That's what giants do. That's what the enemy tries to do to us. And we talked about this morning how that applies to us, that many times we too um, have the same old thing creep back time and time and time again that we face, we struggle with. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes it's discouragement. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's wrong thinking that lives that ends up uh, manifesting itself into wrong living. Uh, sometimes we have giants. We face things that come against us um, at our workplace. Sometimes we face giants and things that come against us in our home. Sometimes we face giants that come against us at school. Sometimes we face giants that even can come against us at church. Can you say amen? We face giants. And many times it can be the same old thing that keeps returning time and time and time again. Well, I want you to know, we saw in this morning in Romans chapter 8 that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, we can overcome. We can defeat these giants that we face once and for all and move on. Can you say amen? We can and we should. Now, not only do I want you to see who um, they were facing, but why they were facing them, and we said that they were coming to battle. Now, I want you to know, you're not going to wish away your giant if he's coming to destroy you. Whatever it is that the enemy's sending your way, you ain't going to wish it away. And I want you to know, prayer is powerful, but a lot of times we got to put feet behind those prayers and actually start doing what God has called us to do, walk by faith and live in His power so that we might overcome the giant that we face. I want you to pray. You need to pray. We all going to pray. Praise God. Nothing good is ever going to happen without prayer. But I want you to know there comes a time when then you have to do what you know you're supposed to do. Live by faith and walk in God's power to defeat your enemy. Amen. All of us must. These people had to. But the only problem was when the battle came their way, they didn't go out and walk by faith and live in God's power and face the enemy. What did they do? They stood on the sidelines. And many times, we do the same thing. Instead of getting in the battle and allowing God to do in us and through us what only He can do by His power, we choose to stand on the sidelines. And I'm telling you, just like I said this morning, listen, God, that makes God sick. We become stagnant. There's a stalemate in the battle, a standstill. And when that happens, listen to me now, the enemy 
is going to gain ground in your life. It's what we see in Scripture here in 1 Samuel 17, and I promise you, it happens to us even today. God hates stagnant believers. Amen? He don't want you stagnant. Now, I'm not saying uh, that I know that if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, listen, God's got a purpose and plan for your life. But if you are stagnant, if you are sitting still and not getting in the battle, you're missing out on God's best for you. I I remember when I was uh, years ago when Hurricane Katrina came through New Orleans and uh, there was me and another man. We went down and, and done some mission work. We roofed houses and we'd go down and fix roofs and then we'd preach to the people in that community. And man, we had a great time, awesome time. Lord really blessed in that. But I remember when we got in southeast Louisiana, has anybody ever smelled any swampland? I'd never, yeah, you have, brother. You've been down there too, haven't you? I'm telling you something, man. When, you, when we were just riding through, there's a completely different smell in Louisiana than there are around here. I mean, it's a completely different world. When you've got that uh, water that's been sitting there for years, stagnant, with all the rotting debris down in the bottom of that, uh, and it's just been sitting there not moving, I'm telling you, that sits and it sours. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, I think that's the picture of the child of God who sits on the sidelines and is not active doing what God has called them to do, live by faith and walk in His power. We become stagnant. And when we get stagnant, we'll do the same thing. We'll sit and we'll sour. We become negative. We become, listen to me now, bitter. We become uh, the people that really nobody else wants to be around. Amen. And I'll tell you this, I think our lives then begin, begin to stink to high heaven to the God who loves us. The Bible says, God will either have you hot or cold, but never lukewarm. Because when you get lukewarm, it makes God sick. Revelation 3, 14 through 15. So don't get stagnant. Get in the battle. Get plugged in. Listen, be used of God. He wants to use you. And the happy Christian is a serving Christian. Don't stand still. Don't get stagnant. These people had gotten stagnant because they feared the enemy. We see that in verse 11. The Bible says they were dismayed, greatly discouraged, and greatly afraid. Why? Because Goliath was big. They noticed the size of this giant. He was about 10 feet tall. They knew the skill of this giant. He had been a man of war, the Bible says, from his youth. If anybody knew about killing, it was Goliath. And nobody in that army believed they were able to defeat this giant. And guess what? They were right. In their power and their ability, they couldn't defeat this giant. But praise God, how many of you know it didn't take a man? It took a teenager that was willing to walk in the power of God and trust God, walk by faith, to go out and defeat the enemy that was causing everybody problems. Praise God. Let me tell you something. One thing that y'all need to understand, you've got to realize, don't let anybody lie to you and tell you you've got to wait for God to use you. Listen, I think we've come to the place in the church where we say, well, they're kids, they're going to do kid stuff, they're going to act like kids, and maybe later on then God will do something. No, listen, God wants to use them now. God can use them now. They're the church of tomorrow, absolutely, but I want you to know they're the church of today. And the same big God who used David can and will use you. When David defeated Goliath, he's about 16 to 19 years old, Bible historians tell us. God did a great work in his life. He can do a great work in our life, no matter our age. 
It's not about our ability or age. It's about our availability. When we become available to be used, when we will walk by faith and live in God's power, we can do great things for the kingdom of God. These people missed out because they were afraid. They started looking at the strength of their giant instead of the strength of their God. They looked at the size of the giant instead of the size of their God. Listen to me, folks. We still serve the same God that we see on the pages of Scripture. And if there's one thing I took away from this weekend that I absolutely love, Brother Jeff Crook preached a message this weekend on the access we have to our Heavenly Father. Wow. Hey, listen, how many of you know we are God's children and God listens to His kids? Praise God. He does a great work in His children when we allow Him to. And that's what David found out. I shared with you three things that David saw uh, that we need to see in the life of David concerning Goliath. First of all, if you look in verses 26 through 27, we found out the man of God knows he can walk, he can have the blessing of God if he'll only do it, do life God's way. Now what would happen, what would happen to David? The Bible told us, if you remember, that um, Jesse sent David out to bring some food to his older brothers. And when he got out there, he heard what Goliath was saying. Goliath had been out there shouting against uh, the armies of Israel, the, uh, the God that, 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 that they served for about 40 days when David came on the scene. And, and so uh, David had heard that Saul said, whoever killed this giant, he was going to give great riches to. Do you remember us reading that? It was in verse 25. Listen to what Saul says. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely do defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So what Saul said, anybody that will go out and face this giant and defeat him, not only am I going to make your house free in Israel, you'll never pay taxes again in your father's house, but I'm also going to give you my daughter in marriage. So whoever went out to face this giant would, listen to me now, become a part of the royal family. You're talking about a great blessing. You know what David said? I can go from the pasture to the palace. God's already, or excuse me, the king's already promised it. God can make it happen by his power if I only walk in faith. And that's what he chose to do. David understood he could have God's blessing if he'd just do it God's way. Praise God, the same is true for me and you. We can have God's blessing. I want God's blessing. You ought to want God's blessing. But if we're going to get it, we've got to do it God's way. Walk by faith. Live in His power. Allow Him to work in us and work through us. But then we saw in verse 28, Eliab, the elder brother of David, came to him and criticized him. All because David was willing to do what God wanted. Do you know you're going to have people that criticize you because you're willing to do what God wanted? I've heard a lot of people, they get criticized because they choose to come to a certain church. It happens. A lot of people get criticized for coming to church at all. I remember when I was growing up, um, for the first 10, 11 years of my life, I grew up with a father who didn't know Jesus. And I can remember in that time, um, my dad would, we'd wake up early on a Sunday morning, mom would be getting us ready for church, and my dad would tell my mom, he'd say, if you take them to church today, if you leave, I'll not be here when you get back. And guess what happened? He was right, he wouldn't be. Sometimes he'd leave and stay gone for a week at a time. He didn't want her bringing us to church at that time. But you know what she did? 
even though she was facing criticism, she did what she knew was right and she continually was faithful to keeping her family in church. Now since that time, my father's gotten saved, been called to preach. Many, many, many people have come to know Jesus because of the ministry of my father. He's still preaching today. But listen to me. I believe with all my heart, it took my mama standing for truth to be that example in my home. In the face of criticism, she still chose to do it God's way. And listen, criticism a lot of times is going to come, to come by those who are closest to you. It came from David's brother. It can happen to us as well. The man of God does what God wants in spite of the criticism he faces. But also, in verse number 34, I want you to notice something. He, uh, I, now let's just go back and read just a moment in uh, verse 32. I love how David puts this. Now you look uh, at what David says. He looks at Saul and he says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail, but nobody have a heart attack. Don't y'all get too excited. He goes on to say, thy servant will go fight with this Philistine. David said, I'll fight him. Don't, don't, don't anybody get all too shook up. I know that God is able and I'm going to face him on the battlefield. How many of you know, you will never, ever, ever defeat your enemy until you get on the battlefield. You've got to get on the battlefield. You've got to take that step of faith. You've got to do what God wants. Walk by faith, live in his power. Remember that, don't forget it. Verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. And the servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. The man of God knows. The woman of God knows. The same God who brought you through the last battle will bring you through this battle. David killed the lion and he killed the bear and he killed the Philistine. Not by his power but by God's power. Then look at verse 40. Excuse me. Look at verse 37. David said if God delivered me one time he'll deliver me again. And Verse 38 tells us, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Now what's that speak to us? Well, that speaks to us, folks. Listen to me now. The man of God knows he can't fight the battle in somebody else's armor. I remember when the Lord first called me to preach. Growing up with a father who is a preacher, who is a love preacher, I, one of my favorite preachers is my father. Some of you have told me some, one of your favorite preachers is my dad, and, I, and rightly so. I love my dad. So proud of him, so thankful for him. And, and I can remember when the Lord called me to preach, I would pray and I'd say, God, would you let me preach like dad preaches? Let me preach like this preacher preaches? Let me preach like that preacher? And in a moment of quiet, in a quiet time, in a time of prayer, the Lord revealed something to me. How many of you know God didn't call me to be them? I can't fight my battle. I can't walk my walk of faith in somebody else's armor. God didn't call me to be Adrian Rogers. God didn't call me to be Chuck Swindoll. God didn't call me to be these great men of God. Now, I, I respect them. I admire them. But God called me to be me full of Jesus. Let me let you, let, let you in on something. You may feel inadequate. You may feel like you don't measure up. Guess what? God didn't call you to be nobody else. You are not measured by nobody else. God called you to be you full of Jesus. And you can reach people nobody else can reach. God's got a ministry for you. 
So quit worrying about trying to measure up to the standard of someone else. Just be who God called you to be, created you to be by His power. Be full of Jesus and make a difference. You cannot fight the battle in someone else's armor. You can't fight the battle with someone else's faith either. You hear me? Listen, you'll never get to heaven on your mama's faith. You'll never get to heaven on your daddy's faith. Guys, I want you to know something. You've got to have your own faith. Amen. You've got to know that you know what Jesus has done for you. It's about a personal relationship with Christ. Nobody is grandfathered into the Christian faith. We all must trust in Jesus. And there's something else I want you to see. Watch this. I love this one. The man of God knows he needs to be prepared for whatever battle he may face. And I want you to know that. Folks, we said this morning that a lot of times the battle comes on the heels of a blessing. Now, if you saw blessing in your individual lives, we have saw blessing in our church, you can bet when God blesses, Satan is going to come against you. And so we must be prepared. And that's part of what we're preaching this message for. Listen, David was prepared. Look at verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Let me ask you something. Why in the world would, would David pick up five stones? There's only one giant. Nobody else is standing on the battlefield. Why did he pick up Five stones. Well, I found the answer in the Word of God. Keep your place right here in 1 Samuel 17 and turn over with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 21. Watch this right here. 2 Samuel chapter 21. Look what the Bible says in verse number 22. It speaks about Four Philistines that Jonathan had killed. Now listen to what it says in the 22nd verse. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. Now let me ask you something. When Jonathan and David killed these four here in 2 Samuel, the Bible says these were the four sons of Goliath. So when David walked out on the battlefield, not only was he prepared for the battle he knew he was in, he was prepared for the battle he might be in. David didn't think he was going to miss. That ain't why he picked up five stones. He picked up five stones because Goliath had four sons. Praise God. David went by the same motto that some of us go by. I'd rather have them and not need them than to need them and not have them. Amen. <laughs> And he knew if God could bring him through the battle with Goliath, he could also kill his four sons. That's great faith. That's walking by faith and trusting in God's power. I love David. I want to be like David. Amen. Man after God's own heart. Then there's one more thing. The man of God remembers how God has caused him to overcome. Watch. Look at this right here. Go back to 1 Samuel 17. Look down at verse, let's just start in verse number um, 43. 
442, excuse me. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou mayest? Thou comest to me with staves or with rocks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thee to the flesh of the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest with me in the sword with the spear and with the shield, but I am come in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hands, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give thee the carcass of the host of the Philistines, the day this day under the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So let me ask you something. Why is David fighting the battle? David is not fighting the battle so that he might receive the glory. David is fighting the battle so that God might get the glory. Now every battle we fight and every battle we win is not for our glory but for God's. Can you say amen? amen. We must remember that. What we do must be done for God's glory. Big or small, whatever it is. You pray the prayer, pray it for God's glory. You teach the class, teach it for God's glory. You preach the sermon, preach it for God's glory. You sing the song, sing it for God's glory. You witness to the person at your workplace and the person at the grocery store, you do it for God's glory. He's the one that's worthy. David understood that. David knew that. I love how he puts this. You coming to me with your strength, your spear, your sword, your shield. I'm coming to you in the name of God. And then somebody over in the crowd yelled out, Let's get ready to rumble! And the drummers for the Israelite army, they said, Dun, 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 dun. Ain't that right, brother? That's how this do it. And David said, I'm about to feed you flesh to the fowls of the air. They met each other on the battlefield. Verse 48 says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, and that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Think about it. Here you have this 16, 17, 18-year-old kid going before nine-foot, six-inch Goliath. I would just about bet, I don't know the size of David, the Bible don't tell us, but we found out this morning the armor of Goliath weighed 126 pounds. I'll just about bet you the breastplate of Goliath outweighed David. And he runs toward him. He didn't walk toward him. He ran toward him. Wow. Slinging that sling. Therefore David ran and stood, or excuse me, um, verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now let me tell you something. David was good with the slingshot. There ain't no doubt about it. But he ain't that good. <laughs> I don't think he's that good. I think God guided that stone right to the place where Goliath could be hit. You see, every other place on his body was covered. He had a helmet that covered everything but this area. Just enough for him to see. 
He had, uh, um, the Bible said this morning, if you remember, he had shin guards made of brass that covered his legs. He had the armor on his chest that covered his chest. He had a shield that he was fighting with. The only open spot that David could have hit was the forehead, and that's right where God put the stone. And just like that, the battle was over. But David wouldn't finished. Look at this. Go to the next verse, guys. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Well, he just found one. Watch what happens in verse 51. Um, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him. Watch this now. And cut off his head therewith. Let me tell you something. David will never face this giant again. He might face other giants. Matter of fact, we saw he's going to face four more, him and Jonathan, over in 2 Samuel 21. But he'll never face this giant again. It's time we keep facing this. We quit facing the same old giant. Let's overcome that giant and move on. Amen. By the power of God and by walking in faith. That's how David did it. Go to the next verse. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Now, I love that. Because of the courage of one man, a whole army was changed. I'm going to tell you something. You have influence you don't know you have. There are people looking at you that you don't even know is looking at you. And if you will be courageous, listen, walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to me. Let God work in you, work on you, and work through you by His power. You can be instrumental in not only doing what God wants in your life, but changing the life of others. You hear me? But you've got to be willing to walk by faith and live in God's power. You've got to do it God's way. Don't you want God's blessing? See, you need to know this now. Amen. I don't want you to wait to get an old man like me and know this. You need to know this now. Because listen, you can already start experiencing victory after victory that God's willing to give if you are willing to walk by faith. Amen. Just like David. They pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Shiram, Even unto Gath and unto Ekron, they chased them all the way back home. Running after them. The army who once stood still now was chasing the Philistines because of the courage of David. Verse 53 says, And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. Now, why did he do that? The Bible says he took his armor, he took his, his the, the, the breastplate, the what he had on his legs, his whole suit of armor, his shield, his sword, and put him in his place of dwelling. i tell you why. The man of God remembers how God gave him the victory. And every time David walked into his tent, he could look over and see that big old sword laying there. Every time David walked into his tent, he could see uh, that big old uh, uh, breastplate laying there of Goliath. 
Every time David walked into his tent, he would remember, if God calls me to beat this big dude, what can't God do in my life? Wow. Folks, still the same God. He hadn't changed. Our giants may look different, but they can be just as scary as old Goliath. Can be just as strong, just as skillful as old Goliath. But I'll tell you this, God is able. Walk by faith. What's walking by faith mean? Remember our definition of for what walking? We just act like God's telling the truth. We take God's word, we apply it to our lives, we do what God says. We walk by faith. We live in God's power. Amen? Allowing God to have his way and will in your life. Relinquishing your will to his will. Allowing him to fill you up and pour you out day by day. And I tell you, if you'll do that, God will help you overcome. God will help you conquer, just like David conquered. Everybody stand up. I want to pray for you tonight. Who's got a special need? Special needs this evening.